Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. This image I used to work with this kid, 16 year old kid like like Liam, you know, um, but he was in a residential setting for you know kids that were troubled with the law and stuff. And whenever he was excited or scared, he would always he would always go, and you know, come on Ryan, come on man, you know. So that, that's kind of like you know what I what I feel like this moment calls for um, is, is a little bit of this. All right, um, so I want to I want to start off by just reading the section that we're going to be digging into. I tell you what, this thing is, um, this, this, will, this will empty you out when, when you dig into some of this stuff and you get into this deeply because there was a moment where I, was, where I was looking at this and I was like, I feel like I'm in the middle of the ocean where I can't see land and I'm in this word of God and I can only swim in this much of it, but I'm like, how deep does this go? Where does this go? You know, I'm trying to really hone in on hopefully what, what is... 30 minutes or less of a message is really, really, really difficult. But, but, but God has a way and, and, and brought the, the word to light here. So let me read this real quick. Um, so we're in John 13, 31 through 38. And I, I don't know if you, I want you just to listen. You know, I mean, you can read along if you want to. I'm not telling you what to do. But if you um, just listen and, and, and put yourself there. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So when, when Hugh asked me if I would be interested in doing this, I was obviously really, really excited um, you know, because and, I, and I, I knew it was excitement at this point in time, but it did bring back thoughts on my way here today. I was I was really reminded of this the first time I actually, as he said, like speak when I'm doing a training at work or something. It's really easy because because I, I own that information. When you're standing up here, God owns this information, you know. And and I'm on my way here, and I'm reminded of this first time I'm driving. I had a, it was a it was a three hour workshop. I'm like kind of new in the field. I think I only had my degree for a couple years, but, but someone said, hey, would you want to do this workshop? And I knew I needed to do it, but I was scared to death. You know, a three-hour workshop on a Saturday with professionals, people that are like PhDs and everything else. What am I doing up here? And um, I'm on my way down to Kennedy, and it's 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, so there's no traffic. I'm just flowing down there, and I am literally praying. And, I, and, I, and this, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not proud of this, but it's funny in, in hindsight. I'm praying, God, please, please let me get into an accident. 
a non-lethal accident. No, this is what's going on in my head. I'm going, please let me just, because I, I knew I couldn't just call and lie and say I was sick. I knew I, knew I couldn't do that because I couldn't live with myself that way. I was like, give me a legitimate excuse to get out of this, please. And, and, and so needless to say, I got there and I um, spent the first 45 minutes in a daze looking at a crowd of about 80 people going, uh. So if I begin to do that right now, we'll call it tongues. And hopefully somebody can, some, hopefully somebody can interpret it and we'll, we'll get something out of it. But, but um, that's, that's where I'm at. But, but, but my point of that is obviously that, that's, that's, that's funny, but that's the kind of thing we go through, you know, a, a, on a daily basis. Not big things, not public speaking and things like that, but, but there's, there's little things that we're, that we're being nudged to do that our, that our discomfort is telling us, yeah, you don't, you don't need to do that. He was talking last week about the need to take every thought captive and make it subject, make it obedient to Christ in 2 Corinthians. So that's needless to say what I'm doing up here uh, right now today. You know, in, in all seriousness, it's moments like this, moments like preparing for this, that I was really reminded just of how important it is to, to devote your thinking to God's thoughts. You know, his thoughts are, as, as I think it's Isaiah, right? His thoughts are not our own. His ways are not our ways. We really need to be in tune with God's thoughts and adopt those as our own in order to cut through the noise, to cut through the mess. Just like excitement and nervousness is actually, in, in our bodies, it's the same thing. You know, one of the things that I learned from Keith and I learned from situations like this is that you, what you call it, how you think about what you're feeling actually determines the outcome, how you're going to act, how you're going to move forward. And therefore, how you're going to experience in, in life and ultimately experience what God has for you. So, you know, in that, in that world, Paul in, in Romans 7, where he's, he's talking about that battle. He's, he's laying that battle out for us. And we, we need to be aware of that. And I think in our modern world, in our modern minds, we're, we're so rational that we forget that, that this stuff that's going on inside of us is a battle. It's, and it really is this, it really is this sin and, and spirit thing going on inside of us. And like Paul says, I, I want to do this stuff. I want to do what's good. I want to, I you know, glorify God. But the sin is right there with me. It's right there. And it's always competing. And it's always calling for our attention. And that internal battle, the way that I understand that, you know, and the way that I've kind of had to play around with this word, this flesh. The Bible uses the word the flesh. And in, in every day in my work, I use words like the nervous system, the fight or flight, the amygdala, you know. And, 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 I'm, and I'm like, wait, that's the, that's the same thing Paul's talking about. We have to understand a little bit about how, how we operate in, in our sinful nature in order to kind of see it. God will shine light on that for us. He'll shine light on some behaviors and things like that. But this goes way deeper. This goes into like literally how you operate. This goes into these things that you're not thinking about. You're not even aware that you're doing and, and we can become aware of that. God can shine light on that. A lot of people, a lot of us don't know that what's really happening in your body, and this is where it's interesting, is that that, that, that fight or flight system, as they say, the flesh, is really, is really designed for one thing, right? It's comfort, pleasure, security, right? It, it, it wants us to just feel safe. It wants us to self-preserve. And what this part of, this part of the brain is doing is it's scanning the environment for threats constantly, constantly scanning the environment, 11 pieces of information, 11 million pieces of information are coming into your mind at any given, sec at any given second. You can, be, you can be aware of 40, okay? So th think about that. That part of that brain is, is it's in reacting. It's feeling something. And this happens so fast. And then the part of your brain that you're thinking about that you're aware of comes online and it explains it to you. It reasons with it. It tells you what's going on. So again, 
getting our thoughts and getting our thoughts under the submission of God, getting His thoughts in there, cuts through. It helps us explain that kind of stuff, explain what's happening in our minds, right? So, and incidentally, this this same part of our brain is also our relationship part of our brain. This is what's been hijacked by sin. This is, this is what's been hijacked. It's our emotional sort of center. It's the part of, our, it's the part of us that connects with other people. Same part of us that connects with God. Right? So this is, all, this is really about relationship. So take a moment, just think, that, think about that for a second and really identify in yourself. Where does fear work in you? Where does insecurity work in you? Where does, where does sort of passiveness work for you? You know, and, and, and think about that because there's, there's something there for you to notice. And there's something there for you to draw on your faith to sort of start shedding light on that and, and, and really apply God into that situation. Because this is kind of how, 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 I, how I look at faith, how it works, and why the, the need, as we're talking about, really focusing on Jesus, focusing on him. As I've heard reference now, I think two, two or three times this morning already, faith is like Bluetooth, Okay, this, this, was, this was given to me by my cousin. I got to give credit where credit's due. My cousin gave me this. He said, you know, Ryan, it sounds like faith is like Bluetooth. And I was like, it is, you know, because we all have a measure of faith. You, you wouldn't be here right now if you didn't have a little bit of faith, and, you know, and an idea and a draw to be here. So we all have a measure of faith, and we have to plug that into the source, into God, right? And I don't know about you guys, but, like, when I get in my car, my car is like me. I'm my car. I get, I get in here, and... This is, this is like God. For some people, it is like God. We, you know, for some of us, it is. And we, that's a different issue. We should confess. But when I get in the car, this becomes the source that, that powers the screen on the car. This gives me directions. It, get, it plays the music. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's powering that, 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 that body, which is the car, which essentially is useless without this. Right? But when we get in the car together, not this car, but the last car we had, I believe, me, Ella, Ethan, and we get in the car, and it's like, whose is going to connect, right? And if it's mine that needs to connect, because I got the directions and everything else, I got to disconnect somebody else's from that source. I have to disconnect in order to, to connect. And we need to realize that, that, that faith works like that. So we have to connect because faith cuts through the senses. We have to disconnect from the world, from our own reasoning, from, from, from the five senses essentially, and connect through faith to God, to the image of God. In Romans 8, again, referring back to Hughes' um, reference in, of, to 2 Corinthians, you know, bringing our minds, in, our, our minds captive, we have, we have this, the mindset. Paul talked about the mindset. And the mindset focused on the flesh is seeking to please the flesh. The mindset focused on the spirit is trying to seek the spirit. So your mindset is something under your control. You, you, you can determine that. You can determine what you focus on, what you praise, what you worship, what you attend to. So getting our thoughts to work for us is largely dependent on our mindset. So what's your mindset on? Capture that. A.W. Tozer said, and I think people have maybe heard this, that this is, a, this is an incredible quote, but he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He goes on to say that we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. We can speak our beliefs about God. We can talk about Jesus. We can know it's a good idea but what do you really think? How big is your image of God? How big is your God? Is your God fitting into your worldview? Is your God, are you taking the pieces that you like? Are you taking the things that make sense to you, that you can reason with? Or are you actually letting your reason expand to, to, to take in a fuller image and a bigger picture of who God really is? So 
I want to look at verses, we're going to kind of look at this in sections, because this kind of came in, in, in sections to me. In the first verses here, verse 31 and 32, I don't know if they're, if they're up there. I will look at them from, from my view here. Um, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Like, I, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't jump out. That's one of those verses you kind of go, okay, that's the next thing. Command, love one another. That makes sense. I mean, memorize that one. Like, what is this about? <laughs> the, the word, I mean, and, and I think this is what it's about. This is really about, about God identifying, Jesus identifying who he is. Him identifying who he really is in, in, in the Father, in the, in the Spirit, in that, in that triune Godhead. Because the world, you know, the world that we live in here is full of great teachers. There's a lot of people out there. I was telling Vanessa last week, $11.6 billion self-help book industry, 85,000 titles published. Like 85,000 titles published. Like who's, who's, who's writing these books, right? These podcasts, all this stuff going on, all these experts. And, and what they've really done is hack the truth. They, 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 they figured something out. It's a way of thinking. They put it into a book. People that are hungry are finding this stuff, and, 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 it's, and it's, some of it's true. It's good stuff. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? But it's, 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 it's telling me more about the world that we live in and its need and its hunger for truth and information and the discomfort that people are trying to escape than it does about one book or another. And interestingly enough, I thought, well, people are looking for answers in books, and, and here, here we have this, like, 2,000-year-old book, and nobody's written a good book that you can't go back and go, oh, wait, God already said that here. Unfortunately, the language is really old, and, and we don't use it that much anymore. But, but it's there. It's all there. And, and you know, the, Satan uses reason. He uses this, this, this wonderful gift of ours, this godlike gift of ours to reason. He uses that. He used it against Jesus when he tempted him. He tried, he, tried to, he tried to get in his head. He wanted to reason with him to make it make sense. Like, hey, you can make the rocks bread. You could jump. Just take care of yourself. Self-preserve. And, and he uses that. He uses that to really, to really get us trapped because now I have this feeling thing that I mentioned earlier that's, that, that's, that's, that's getting triggered. I'm uncomfortable. I have a million reasons to explain why I'm uncomfortable and why I shouldn't do things. And so I'm in this self-justifying trap. Remember, that reasoning brain comes on later. So I'm in this self-justifying trap. And now my life is being built around that, if that makes sense. So, so now everything's built, and, and, and my life is now structured. My relationships, my work is structured and interpreted through my own feelings. And, this is the, and, this is, and it's an easy trap to get involved in. It's an easy trap to get stuck in. But God makes this kind of easy for us. And actually, he does make it easier because he does, he's not coming in here to debate. God's not trying to win a debate and argue and write the best book and win. Someday everyone's just going to go, oh, yep, that, that's it. That makes sense to me. No, if that's how you're thinking, if it has to make sense to you, then it's not faith. Right? So, so, so God, God, God's got to come out in a different way. And the way that he came is through a person. He said, no, 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 focus on a person. Focus, focus on Jesus. Literally focus on the person Jesus. Get to know me. Get to know who I am. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to figure it out. The, so it's important that we know exactly what, what God wants us to do specifically. What does the Bible teach about this and about that? And it's important to learn those kind of things. It really is. But, it's, but I think it's more important for us to know who God is, to, to understand the nature of God. Because when we have that picture, 
as, 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 as Tozer would talk about, the high view of God, that, that drives everything. And the faith that's produced in that gives us that lens that makes everything in front of us make sense, right? And, 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 and suffering and everything that goes along with that. So in these verses, the first thing we're, we're looking at is, is the authority of Jesus, right? He has is, he is, he is identified himself in the, in, in the Godhead. So he's, so he's worth listening to. And he hasn't even died yet, by the way. He hasn't even, he hasn't even, so what's he talking about now is now all this glory stuff. What's going on with that, right? So the other thing that stands out here is that glory word. In the Anchor Bible, I saw this quote, and I don't know why it jumped out, but it said to me that glory is that it, the definition of glory is that it involves a visible manifestation of God's majesty and acts of power. It goes on to say that both of these qualities are verified in Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, when we looked at those verses, 31 and 32, what, when, I, when, I, when I really focused on glory, this, this, is, this is what Jesus said to me. He said, you know, he said, don't worry about this interpretation. So here's my translation. I'm going to read this. Because this, this is what spoke to my heart. He's basically saying, now, now, pay attention. I'm about to rubber stamp everything I've ever said with my authority. Remember, you're sitting there. We're sitting there. Jesus is like, what's going on? We're gonna, you're going to save the world. How are we going to do this? Let's go fight. Let's go die for you. Let's, let's get this done, right? They were all gung-ho about that. What does that really mean? He says, now pay attention. I'm about to rubber stamp everything I've ever said with my authority. So make no mistake, my glory will signify who I am and why I'm worthy of all your attention. So when you see the most powerful and glorious thing in the next couple days, when you see this, make no mistake, I am who I am. And you can hang everything on my words. So don't let the circumstances bring you down. They don't mean anything in my eyes. Just obediently follow me and you're going to be okay. So... You know, there's a lot of parallel stories, a lot, a lot of these, these parallel stories in the Bible, and it's wonderful because you can, you can draw different, you, you can see it differently through your mind's eyes. You can hear what Jesus is saying and doing, and you can go back in the Old Testament, and you can look at books, at chapters like uh, Exodus 14, right? We all know that story with Moses getting the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. Um, they're facing the Red Sea. They got Pharaoh and the army behind them, right? So they're either, they're going to they're gonna die or at best they're going to go back and be slaves again. Not great options. And, and so the terror, the frustration, the anxiety that they're feeling. And, and what does Moses tell them to do? In verse 13, he says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Just stand firm. Just stand firm, follow my instructions, chill out. Because God's going to do something. God's going to do something. This is about his glory. And he meant, God mentions that in that chapter like four times. He says, like, he's like, this is for my glory. I will gain glory through the Pharaoh and his army. I will gain glory. I will gain glory. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. This isn't about us. This is about God. Francis Chan in, uh, in Crazy Love uses this metaphor, and it just, it's, it's, it, it popped because it was, it was, it's, we're extras in a movie about God. People come to the movie to see the star. And all those people that are sort of working the extras, the, that you're three seconds to the back of your head in the scene, you know, it was, I, I, said, I said to Anna, I go, you know, you wouldn't go, like you wouldn't call your family together and have like a viewing party to watch you for three seconds walk through a room because people are going to be looking at Brad Pitt, whoever else the star is. Not, and she's like, well, maybe I would actually have people over to come watch, watch my cameo there. But, but in actuality, no, this, this movie's about God. This is about God's glory. And so when we, when we adopt that mindset, and we realize that everything happening right now, everything you're taking part in is about God's glory, you start honing in on, on, on well, what should I do? It's not about me. It's not about me anymore. And, and, and that clears the way because right now, right now, in this moment, you know, we can hear Jesus say, stand firm. 
You should be able to hear that. If you think about it and you're really focused, you should be able to think, Jesus is saying, stand firm, watch what I'm going to do. Everything, everything, everything right now should be seen through the eyes of what's about to happen in the next couple of days. And, and that interprets our world. The life, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is what defines every moment that we live in. So we, we, we can get out of all this, this, this headspace. But he's giving us this command. So this is, this is not insignificant. Because he's giving us a command to love, and he's speaking specifically now to, to, to the church. In these verses, he's speaking to the church. He said, love your neighbors. We know that. Love God. You know, love your enemy. All that. But he's talking right now to us, the church, his body. In verse 34 and 35, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So this, isn't, this is not insignificant because it's like, yeah, love one another. Let's go love one another. That's great. What does that mean, right? What does that mean to us to the, in this day, in this age, where love has really been relocated to a feeling? What is Jesus saying? Is he really commanding me? Is he really saying, like, 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 like love like I love you? So, like, give up myself? Like, maybe suffer, maybe have some cost financially, like you were describing. Those, those are examples, right, of, of, of faith in action because, and loving in action because it cost me something. It cost me something to, 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 to really love. It, and and we, we can't get away from that. God loved us first. God loved us first. It's his love. It's his love. So you can take it or leave it, right? We, we, we can take it or leave it. Now, if you, if you decide to leave it, you know, good luck to you. You know, I mean, really, enjoy trying to make something, right, out of life and using, hope you're a good reasoner. There's a lot of people out there that are really good reasoners and are comfortable and they don't know what they don't know. But if you do accept that love, then realize you're going to have to give it away. You're going to have to share it because it's not yours in the first place. So if, so if you're going to take it and feel it, if you're going to notice it, if you're going to recognize it and, and accept what God has done for you, then you have an obligation to, to share that. But in sharing that, like Hugh said, it comes back. It comes back ten times. It does cost you something. It does hurt a little bit. But it comes back. It comes back ten times. So now Galatians 5, 6 says that all that matters is faith expressed as love. All that matters is faith expressed as love. Right? So Paul here is, is, is marrying the word faith and the word love together. We, we, we can't separate those two things. We, we, so it, it's, it's, if you're not really living in faith, then, you, then you're not loving people. If you're not loving, you're not living in faith. So these two things kind of go together. James says faith without works is dead. Everyone knows that verse. Well, what kind of works? Right? Works of love. Acts of love. So, so measuring what you're doing, measuring your faith, identifying where, what you should be doing right now and where you should be plugging into is, is a really about understanding where, where do I need to love better? I want to touch really quickly on, on James 1 where he talks about the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then in Romans, Paul talks about suffering produces perseverance. So suffering, faith, love, not, not, now, you, now you see this sort of like, they're, they're not separable. They all, they all go together. And so we can stop avoiding the discomfort. 
that love's going to produce us because we have the faith in this image of God, in this big picture of God, that when we give and we, and we cost ourselves something, that, that that love produces the resurrecting power and the glory of God, right? Because that's what it's all about. And so now we find ourselves sort of in that, in, in, in that process when we're living our life right now. And right now, and, and I say that right now because nothing has to change in your life right now for you to experience this. We don't have to go like, I got to get here, I got to do this, I need this job, I need, you know, that's, that's going to solve my problem, it's going to fix it. It's not. Right, that what what we when we plug into this to this right now, I don't want to call it a formula. It's not a formula, but it kind of is. It's the truth. And 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 when we plug into that, the world opens up and we see things through God's eyes. So I'm saying all this and I'm bringing up suffering and things because I, th- I, I this, the love of Christ is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. It, do, it doesn't it doesn't fit into our into our reasoning. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't mesh with our flesh. It goes back to what I was talking about earlier with reasoning skills being used to justify. He commands us to love based off who he is. Not, not, not like you need a reason to do it. You, need to, you do it because of who he is. A lot of couples come in to, to, to uh, therapy, and this, is, this really exemplifies the culture we live in and that we all fall into. But they come in and they say to me, yeah, we just don't love each other. I, I just don't love him anymore. I just don't love her anymore. And, 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 I've, and I've learned over time to say, well, when, when did you decide to stop doing that? When did you decide to stop doing that? And I'm like, mm, what? And they have, they have no idea that, 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 it's, that love is an action, right? And that, that love, is, love is sacrificial. That love is unconditional, right? It's not some sort of to- like some token that you can barter with. Give it away. So our definition of love is acted out in faith, and it proclaims the glory and presence of God, drawing attention to him through his mystical body on earth, the church. So I believe if we walk out of here just hearing go love, we're going to miss something if we don't understand that it's going to cost us something, right? And, and that that cost and noticing that where it's going to cost us is actually where God is waiting for you. When Vanessa made Thursdays consistent for worship practice, when we got in this building, it was Thursdays, right? I was ticked. I was like... Okay, fine. I had already set I had Wednesdays up. I was committed, small, you know, connect group and everything. So I'm like, this is, this is going to be, this is, this is fine. Got my private practice at night, so I see clients. And it's like 6 o'clock on Thursdays, and I'm like, all right, man. So I'm, I'm working the schedule. I'm fine. And then one day I'm like, hey, um, yeah, I, can, I don't think I can make it this week. I got, I got clients. And she's like, oh, it's fine. Liam can play. And I'm like, I'm like no. Like, no, I, I, I wanna, I, I'm going to play. I just, I just want to practice. I just don't want to disrupt myself, my schedule, and have to go through this effort of getting. Now, obviously, I'm not complaining, but in my head, I was like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna do this for real." So, so, but, but that, but again, doing that, what's that? I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. You're like a guru, like. So, like, I'm. The point is, you know, you're getting this. You're you're being blessed. Now, is it like, oh man, I wish I didn't have to? No. It doesn't matter, but in the moment, the disruption, the, 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 the struggle of getting things in place, rearranging a schedule, I'm married to a calendar. Like, I'm, like I'm, I'm in it, man. So when you want to disrupt it, it's like, okay, what efforts it going to take? But it always becomes worth it. It, al- it always pays off. So I'm a little like Peter. I'm a little like Peter in these verses. And look at verses, um, where are we at here? Look at verses 36 
um, through 38 here. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Where I'm going, you can't come. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you, you know. Will you really? Will you really, Peter, lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And like, that's it. Now, this is a whole lecture series. This is like a book in itself. Peter's denial and all that kind of stuff. It says so much. But like, how many times have I failed to bring up God, to, 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 to mention his name? People are like, you know, good job, Ryan. And I knew, I knew what, what it took for me to get there. I knew the anxiety, the amount of prayer I went through. And then I went and did it, and people were like, hey, great, great job. Well, that was really helpful. Thanks for helping. And I'm like, hey, no problem. I got, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm feeding my ego, and it feels really good. And all, all the while, I was like, man, I, you, you have no idea. And I, and I didn't bring up God. I didn't bring up Jesus. How many times did that happen? How many times have you, have you done that? So here's what Peter is trying to tell us, I think, in this. I, th- I think this is what I get from Peter in these verses, because otherwise we go off for another three hours. <laughs> your faith is always going to be challenged against yourself. It's always, going to be, it's always going to be. It's really not, if it's easy, in some ways, it's not faith. Once you've exercised your faith and, and, and you've stretched yourself and you've become comfortable, guess what? It's time to go another, to another level. It's time to bring it to another level, right? So, so you're not just, just, just coming to church for those of us that, are, that it's easy to come to church for. Guess what? That's not faith anymore, all right? That, that, that's now built into you. That's, that, that's you. You've become more like Jesus. Great. Let's become more like him. Let's figure out where that avenue is. It's, it's going to be a challenge against ourselves. And like those Egyptians in Exodus 14, when they came up against that challenge, what did they say? They were like, well, it would have been better for us just to stay in Egypt and be comfortable. Why has it got to be so uncomfortable? Why has it got to be a struggle? So faith is a muscle. It's got to be exercised. It's got to be exercised. And its favorite exercise is love. Right? Um, I, I had a lot of Toby references, but he's not here, so I won't, I won't use those when I talk about faith and muscles and, and everything. But, but, we, but we get better, right? Peter, Peter, what did Peter do? He went and he, the next day, that, that night, he went and disowned Jesus. He was, he was brought to his knees in, in, in humility. He repented. Then he sees the resurrected Christ. And the next time you see him in Acts, in Acts 2, he's on fire. He's bold. He's calling people out. You know, because, because he saw it. it. It all came together in that. It all came together in the resurrection. It all made sense. So I want to wrap this up really quickly, and I, I hope we've stayed within time here. Um, I was really worried about that. Um, it, Jesus is God glorified. Jesus is God glorified. He's worthy of all of our attention, all of your attention. Stop trying to figure it out and get, and get in, in line with him. See him. Like Peter, we got to spend time with him in Scripture. we got to spend time with him in prayer to get to know him. That's the power. There's no risk in approaching Jesus. He loved us. He's personal. He's not circumstantial, right? Your, 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 your mother was not your mother just on Saturdays. That relationship is always there. It's always accessible, and it's very personal. And he invites us along this path, and he gives us faith. He gives us that faith. He gives us love, and he commands us to act that out. Love and faith, we see go hand in hand, and it goes hand in hand with suffering. It's going to be uncomfortable. And if it is uncomfortable, it's probably a good sign. We're not going around patting ourselves on the back and trying to make ourselves suffer. We're not Puritans giving ourselves lashes and things like that and saying, look at me, look at how, how hard my life is. We don't do that. So ultimately, we get to be part of this grand story. We get to love like Jesus loved in order to let everyone know that we're his disciples and we draw people into that love.
So right now, what, what, what does this come down to? What's the call to action here? The call to action here is really about looking right now in the local church. This, this is, this, this is the micro, If you're curious about where to start, if you're curious about where to hone in on, if you're curious about why you're here in the first place, maybe you are, maybe you're not, but like if you're curious about that, then look right here amongst you in these relationships. And yeah, you can, you can obviously get on and volunteer and you can serve and you can be part of, 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 of making the engine run here, but you can also show up 30 minutes early and pray. You can show up 15 minutes early and have a cup of coffee and share yourself with somebody else. You can also, you know, if you're struggling to get here, you can struggle and you can make yourself come to church, right? And then ask yourself, you know, what do I need to do about this? Why is it such a struggle for me? Why is it a problem? If it hurts a little, it's supposed to. It's supposed to. And we've got to push past that. But we're not just pushing past that with our own effort, with our own power and strength. We're pushing past that because we see that vision of God in front of us. And we, and we, yeah, the struggle, the struggle is real, but the struggle is no more important than a stop sign on a deserted road in the middle of the night. You notice it and you just keep pushing forward towards that image of God, towards that high view of God because you know him. Can I pray? All right. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for bringing us here to this moment, to this right, to this moment right now. Remove the distractions. Help us bring our thoughts under submission to you and to your spirit, Lord God, and let our eyes of faith see the moment right now for what it is, a moment to ask ourselves, where can I love better? Where can I be more like you? Help us not to shy away from the anxiety or the fear that might hold us back, that might bring us into a trap that's being set for us, Lord God, by, by Satan, using really good conventional re- wisdom and, re- and reason to justify how we feel, Lord God. Let us put everything that we feel on that cross with you and see you for who you really are, Lord God. Open our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.